Colleagues, welcome back to the office. It's Steve and welcome to the CPE Today podcast. We're going to get started with our podcast presentation here just in a moment. But before we do, I'd like to share some insight on how you can receive credit for watching today's presentation. There are two options. You can either watch live as it's being recorded through Zoom, more on that here in a moment, or you could be watching or listening on demand wherever you happen to receive content. We distribute our show through YouTube, SoundCloud, Facebook, our website, and many other places. Now, if you happen to be watching on demand on your own schedule, after watching or listening to today's class, head on over to cpetoday.com and locate today's course page. Uh, you can find our course code by looking at the footer of the presentation to see the link presented there. And it will also be mentioned throughout the presentation on multiple occasions. After com purchasing today's class, you'll complete a short five question quiz on what was discussed in today's presentation. And upon passing that your certificate for your CPE credits will be automatically generated and available for download. In addition to your purchase, you can also download copies of today's presentation, learning materials. You can ask the presenter questions and more. Now, if you happen to be watching live as it's being recorded through Zoom, your attendance will be confirmed through attendance prompts, which will occur every 12 to 20 minutes and approximately four per hour. They'll pop up automatically. And when a prompt comes up, please choose a response to confirm your attendance. It doesn't actually matter what you choose as long as you choose something as your response will confirm your engagement with our presentation. Attendance prompts might not be announced, so please keep an eye out for them. Now, as long as you've com uh, completed at least 75% of the attendance prompts, you will receive full credit for our presentation. Your completion certificate will be delivered to you by email within two business days of the event. You can always visit cpetoday.com if you have any questions or issues with your certificate. After our presentation today, we'd love to know what you think. Uh, there will be a course evaluation that will automatically pop up. It should take you anywhere from one to three minutes to complete, and your feedback will be used to help us produce better content in the future. Now, if you have any questions or comments throughout the presentation, we'd love to know what they are. Please use the chat or the Q&A functionality to let us know what you think, or if you have any questions on the materials that are being presented. Also, please feel free to share your experience, knowledge, and insight with the class. If you have any technical issues, you can also use that functionality to ask for help. You can always find great content at cpetoday.com. We have a variety of self-study and live courses from all topics, accounting, audit, personal development, Excel, QuickBooks, and more, you name it. Check out cpetoday.com. And the CPE Today podcast is made available Tuesdays and Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific. And you can always find great content being discussed in that podcast every single week. If you happen to be a new user, listener, viewer of the CPE Today podcast, thank you so much for coming. Welcome. We're ecstatic and happy to have you. How about you get a free credit on us? Use coupon code ONEFREEPODCAST at checkout to get a free credit for today's class. We're going to go ahead and get started with our presentation here in the podcast today. Thank you so much for being here and enjoy our presentation. Colleagues, welcome back to the office and welcome to our presentation for today. This is K2's biggest security and privacy concerns. My name is Steve Yoss. I'll be your instructor and presenter in our course today as we look at today's largest security and privacy concerns as they exist in North America and abroad. 
Now, in today's class, we are going to be looking at and examining at a variety of different security threats, privacy issues that have popped up, and other major incidents that have occurred uh, that have affected the way that we compute uh, and use our devices, work online, work remotely, and more. And I've got an action-packed presentation for you today, really kind of uh, intended to give you a good comprehensive view and vision of what security in the modern era looks like. Now, let's go ahead and discuss what some of our topics for today's presentation is going to be. Well, we're going to go ahead and start first with a discussion of the intention, purpose, and the uh, goal of what a data breach is. I really want you to understand at a deep level what a data breach means to your organization, what that could potentially cause for your company. Uh, we're going to look at why it's an existential threat and probably the biggest threat that your organization is going to face in the coming year. Uh, we'll look at some of the threat actors, who they are, why they do what they do, their motivations for conducting these data breach, and also how they uh, plan on using the data that is stolen, what they can potentially get for it. We're going to take a look at also at some of the major security trends for 2022, uh, which will also lay the foundation for the rest of our presentation here today, uh, including uh, what are the trends with malware, ransomware, uh, business email compromises, and more. I'm going to share with you some relevant statistics as well as some major incidents to really kind of frame the discussion and give you a pretty good comprehensive insight on what to expect. We're also going to discuss some of the major contemporary trends and topics with respect to security. Uh, we're going to discuss, for example, zero-day exploits, uh, which are increasingly becoming a bigger risk to our companies. In a nutshell, a zero-day exploit is a malware attack where everybody finds out about it at the same time. And it has to do a lot with the inherent weaknesses that are in every application. We're going to talk about insider and privilege misuse and what that looks like to have one of your own, one of your staff members, breach your organization to steal data for typically their personal gain. We're going to take a look at supply chain attacks. Supply chain attacks are when threat actors target less secure elements of your supply chain. Uh, maybe not you directly, but rather where you get your software, where you get your email. Most notably, the SolarWinds data breach of 2021 is a great example of this attack where SolarWinds customers were ultimately the goal, but it was SolarWinds themselves that were breached and that ultimately caused their clients to experience a data breach. We'll talk about email security. Business email compromises or BEC attacks are increasingly becoming a bigger and bigger threat uh, to organizations. Uh, I would say email is one of your top attack vectors. Uh, so what is a BEC attack and what can we do to prevent it from occurring for us? We're going to have a comprehensive discussion on malware and ransomware. And although these topics are interdependent on each other, they are distinct. It's important to kind of understand the differences between them and what each attack means to your company. We're going to take a heavier emphasis, though, on ransomware uh, because ransomware is proving to be more pervasive, more damaging, and growing in popularity than any other type of malware attack that's out there. Uh, and we're also seeing some new changes with respect to how ransomware is operating, both in terms of what the threat actors are doing with the data and what they are, uh, the pain that they are inflicting on the victims of these breaches. 
We're going to talk a little bit about the impact of work from anywhere. Um, work from anywhere, work from home, obviously a huge topic in today's environment with more and more people working out of the office, typically from home, especially during the COVID era and now beyond. We have more people not working from a traditional corporate environment, but rather working from their home or working from the road or even working from their local coffee shop. And what does that mean for security inside of our organization? We'll also have a discussion on intrusion attempts, what it means to get hacked and what that looks like and some of the mechanics that will occur when a intrusion attempt occurs. Now, we're going to finish our discussion with a good comprehensive discussion and review on security recommendations for your organization. Uh, we are going to discuss, for example, some just macro um, big picture things that you should consider for your companies and what that means uh, in terms of policies and procedures, as well as some more practical hands-on recommendations, including things like mail, anti-malware solutions, firewall solutions for your organization, tools and resources for you to be able to check uh, your threat level, and as well as backup and what that means to have a good comprehensive backup solution inside your organization. So we have an action-packed day for you planned here. Um, there's probably more material that we're going to be able, not be able to discuss today than to be able to discuss because there's so many incredible topics that we can review for. Um, but my goal is that you're going to leave with a pretty good comprehensive vision for security uh, and make good decisions for yourself, for your family, for your organizations on how to keep yourself secure and overall reduce your risk of identity theft, data breaches, malware attacks, and more. Now, before we get going, a couple of housekeeping things, and then we're going to go ahead and dive into our material. Uh, again, my name is Steve Yoss. I am an instructor and presenter with K2. I've been an instructor and presenter with K2 now for many years, and uh, I primarily work in our security courses, our Excel courses, software courses, and more. Heck, I think I pretty much teach the entire catalog of uh, content for, uh, for the company. And I love it. I, I get to write and teach and talk about technology, one of my absolute favorite topics. And I love getting to work with this incredible group of instructors and wonderful folks like yourselves. And so thank you so much for attending my courses and, and, uh, and consuming our content. Besides my work with K2 and besides being a writer and instructor, uh, I work as a software developer. Uh, I came up as an accountant, as a CPA. I'm fully licensed here in the state of California, but my love has always been with technology. And I love the fact that I get to write and teach on technology, but then also build it for other people. Uh, my company is Debmatics. We build all types of software for all types of organizations, whether it be custom accounting software to power your business or inventory solution or mobile app to engage with your customers and more. We build just about everything you can think of. If you have any questions on technology for your companies or security procedures or policies or best practices, feel free to reach out. Uh, I'll always try to help you. And if I can't uh, help you directly, I'll certainly do the best I can to point you in the right direction. Now, as we get going with this, I do uh, uh, want to let you know that uh, with respect to the content we're covering today, it's going to get a little technical at places. Uh, I'm going to do my best to try to keep it keep it light and also to kind of keep it focused on the big picture pieces of this. With security, though, I do want to make an acknowledgement that if you're not familiar with how to configure group policy for Microsoft 365 or how to install anti-malware for your organization, um, I would strongly encourage you to engage with a competent professional in your area that is familiar with this. As we'll talk about later in our presentation, it is so easy for you to get this wrong. And you'll probably hear me mention this a few times throughout our presentation today that 
You have to be right and you have to be secure 365 days a year. The bad guy only has to be right once. Uh, So when it comes to security, my recommendation for you is if you don't know how to do this yourself, you certainly engage with somebody that you trust that is uh, because the stakes are really that high. Now, the last thing I want to mention to you is something new in the K2 universe, which is K2 got a podcast. How cool is that? K2 has a brand new weekly podcast where we're bringing you the latest and greatest technology, uh, business news, accounting news with that K2 spin that you've come to know and love. We produce our podcast twice a week uh, for free, F-R-E-E, and everything you need to know to stay on top of the accounting and technology game. Uh, In our podcast, we often get the chance to be able to provide in-depth reviews, analysis, and training on topics from the latest and greatest tech Uh, out there to detailed Excel tutorials, Power BI, and more. And often it gives us a chance to revisit topics in classes like this that are maybe updates or changes, or maybe there's some contemporary things that we just want you to know that uh, we just can't necessarily do in a a course. Uh, You can check it out for free. We put the content out 100% for your benefit uh, twice a week live. Uh, You can watch on YouTube or Facebook at 11 a.m. Pacific. And you can also subscribe wherever you happen to get content, uh, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Google Sound, uh, Google Play, uh, SoundCloud, Spotify, and more. We'd love for you to check it out. It's brand new. Uh, it's relatively brand new. We've been doing it for about a year now, but we've got over 100 episodes, and we've got many more great episodes on the horizon. So if you're interested, check out k2e.com forward slash podcast, or just check out Apple uh, podcasts or Google Play or wherever you happen to get your content and just search for CPE today. All right, folks, without further ado, let's go ahead and get into it and start our discussion about data breaches and improving security in our business. All righty, so I want to start our day with giving you some just background information to hopefully make the stakes of what a data breach can cause your organization crystal clear. Uh, and this is a huge, huge threat to your business and all different types of businesses. You know, previously, people would feel that, uh, you know, if they weren't, for example, at Google or an Intel or a Microsoft, that they were out of the scope of what a bad guy would want. And that's just further from the truth than anything today. Uh, it doesn't matter what type of organization you are, what type of business you are, uh, you have something of value that people elsewhere in the world want and they intend to do you harm to be able to get it. Uh, in 2022, security procedures and policy really revolve around preventing data breaches from occurring. That is the primary emphasis with respect to uh, 99% of businesses. We'll talk through some specific critical uh, safety and uh, health and safety stuff that have occurred um, for, for example, like the Colonial Pipeline breach, where yes, it was concerned with the data breach, but their biggest concern was ensuring the health and safety of their staff and equipment with their pumping stuff. More on that a little bit later on. But if your average professional service firm, your average manufacturing firm, it's really about keeping your data, the personal information of your staff and customers secure. And a data breach, the stakes are incredibly high. It can cause anything from the loss of reputation of your organization to straight out bankruptcy. Um, There are plenty of examples of organizations that just don't exist any longer because they have that big of a critical data breach. Um, And even if you do survive the data breach, it doesn't mean you're going to be intact. good example of this is the Equifax data breach where literally every member of senior management and the board of directors either resigned or were removed as a result of that data breach. 
Now, beyond that, you need to know that your position on security and the decisions that you make will directly impact many different people, including the lives of your staff, your customers, and general public. If you don't take security seriously and you experience a data breach that results in leaking of personal information, it can directly cause one of your staff members or customers to experience something like identity theft or even extortion. Okay, There are a lot of issues and security things to consider, but really nothing can come close to the damage that a data breach can cause to your organization. And I will point out that if you focus on reducing your data breach risk, pretty much every other deficiency you're going to see is going to go away. Uh, data breach is that highest level, and so many of these steps below uh, are going to resolve intermediary issues, but will be supporting reduction of that data breach issue. Uh, and you're going to resolve a lot of your other security problems along the way. Personally, this is Steve Steve Yas reporting here. You know, in in my personal opinion, I believe as a professional, um, as a competent uh, technologist, as well as a uh, uh, business owner myself, I personally believe I have a professional, moral, and ethical obligation to make this a priority for my organization, uh, to do what's in the best interest of my clients, what's in the best interest of my staff, and more. So with that scary overtone, let's go ahead and define what a data breach is. Now, a data breach occurs when you have some sort of unauthorized third party that penetrates an individual or an organization's information system and steals its data. Uh, sometimes you'll hear me use the term exfiltrate their data. And in a nutshell, somebody hacks you, either through ransomware, through malware, through phishing, or something like that, and they get information. Okay, Information is one of the most valuable things your organization can have. It's more valuable than money, cash in the bank, because it's proprietary and it's something that can't easily be recreated. And then that perpetrator, um, through a variety of different methods, uh, could steal passwords uh, that then they use on other types of breaches. They could infect your system with malware. Uh, they could um, extort your staff, extort your customers, and more. Uh, what it really feels like is that there's an endless number of different attack types that are out there that could potentially affect your company. Okay? And anything involving any sort of sensitive customer data, company data, well, you know, you just need to realize if you have a data breach, it's really difficult to know exactly what they get. And you just have to assume everything with, was made public. And depending on the nature of the information, it could result in things uh, such as regulatory issues, lawsuits, legal, civil consequences, and more. And this is not a threat contained to one type of industry, one location, although there are certain organization types that are more at risk than other. I mean, anybody can get it. Anybody can get ransomware on their machine that locks it up and they have to pay a, uh, a fee to be able to get that data back. Now, 2021 and 2020 were record years for data breaches and 2022 is proving to be even gangbuster in and of itself. Uh, some key facts and findings from some recent reports, and there's several reports that I'm going to be referencing heavily throughout this presentation. Uh, the cloud facts, uh, sorry, the cloud Cloud Strike uh, Data Breach Report, the Verizon's Data Breach Investigations Report, the uh, SonicWall uh, Cyber Security Threat Report, and more uh, are fabulous resources. And I've pulled together some of the most interesting and helpful information from these reports and presented them here. And I've also uh, presented some of the more interesting statistics from these reports in other places as well. Um, a couple of ones that really kind of stand out to me. There's a ransomware attack every 11 seconds in 2022. And if anything, I think that number is underreported and it's more frequent. 
In 2021, organizations experienced the highest average data breach cost in 17 years. Average cost is $4.24 million, rising almost $4 million just from the previous year. Okay, Over 84% of all cyber attacks were distributed by email. As I mentioned before, it's one of your biggest attack vectors, and I really do believe that. Cyber attacks are up 50% in 2021 compared to the year before, a lot due to zero-day attacks and other uh, vulnerabilities and applications that we're using, including Log4j, which we'll talk about a little bit later on. Supply chain attacks uh, have increased over 650%. It's like we all figured out that was an option, and now they're, they're putting a lot of effort in that way. And last one here, 95% of cybersecurity breaches were caused by some sort of human error. And that is a, a consistent uh, finding that I've found across the board that uh, it's usually not a breakdown of systems, uh, but rather the people who are using these systems. And that can have huge and dire consequences to an organization, um, you know, when they have that kind of breakdown. And it mostly is going to come from people. Now, why do people do data breaches. I mean, why is this a thing? I mean, it, it seems pretty common, but there are some motivating factors um, behind this that we should acknowledge because certain threat actors, certain attackers are going to have differences and uh, are going to have different um, motivations for why they do what they do. Uh, biggest one, hands down, is financial gain. Uh, as we'll talk about throughout this presentation, the money involved in these data breaches are gigantic and only getting bigger uh and you can make a tremendous amount of money doing this and it's like a it's like a money tree in some respects and in depending on where you're you know perpetrating this crime you can operate pretty much with impunity and and you know with almost zero repercussions um you got to remember the laws of the United States only apply here in the United States they don't apply in other parts of the world and so while this type of attack might be very illegal here in the United States, regardless of who the, the victim is, you know, committing this type of crime, for example, in Russia or China could be not a crime at all, or it could just be something that's not even a big priority for that uh, law enforcement agency in those, in those places. Um, so, you know, there are cyber crime groups that operate typically out of Eastern Europe and in Asia solely focused. Uh, they treat it like a business and they're solely focused on breaching Western organizations because they can make so much money. Now, other types of major attacks beyond the financial compensation side of this, it could be espionage. Uh, there's a lot of stories of nation states. Again, China and Russia are our two probably largest uh, nation states that are involved in this, uh, at least against Western organizations. I don't doubt that our own government do cyber type uh, things and, and cyber uh, um, warfare is the term they typically use against other nations, specifically hostile nations. Uh, but we are starting to see a fair amount of nation states are involved and they're doing this for espionage to gain information about state agencies or it could be a, uh, a state-owned enterprise in Russia, China, or one of these other states that are hacking Western business to steal trade secrets, to ultimately come out with a competing product or to cripple uh, maybe the economy of that specific uh, location. Internally within businesses, especially insiders, you could see data breaches that occur because of some sort of grudge. You know, they felt they were wronged by their employer and, you know, they want to be able to make the employer pay uh, to incur some sort of hardship. Uh, with younger 
Um, attackers, sometimes they do it for fun, you know, just want to see the challenge of being able to break or compromise security, although that's certainly a minor issue. Sometimes things are done out of convenience, you know, hey, maybe they were uh, starting off to do one thing, attacking, you know, to steal maybe data for an identity theft, and they just happen to stumble upon, you know, your cryptocurrency keys, and they steal the money in your cryptocurrency account. So it could also just be, it just happens that they happen to be there. It could be an ideological thing, okay? So uh, there's a group called uh, Anonymous that is a worldwide collective, not necessarily, there's no central administration of this or hierarchy, but Anonymous attacks businesses that they perceive doing wrong in the world. Um, You know, whether it be law enforcement, state agencies, entire nation states, and more, uh, they could believe in a certain cause and they're willing to hack an organization to bring down infrastructure to support that cause. And it's just one of many. I mean, these are just a couple of examples that I could come up with where, you know, the goal was something that you could at least identify. But there are lots of reasons people do things. And it's really kind of hard to be able to point to just one cause or even just a selection of cause. Let's go ahead and have our first review question. What are the main motivations for data breaches? Is it financial gain? You betcha. Espionage? Totally could occur. Ideology? Absolutely. The correct answer here is going to be all of the above. Now, what do they do with this stolen data? You know, question that usually gets popped up here is like, well, who the heck is buying this? Uh, and where does this information actually uh, go? Well, what you need to know is that substantially most data is sold on something called the dark web. Um, and it can be just sold to the highest bidder. The dark web is a, think of it as the back alley of the internet. And then in that back alley of the internet, there are all sorts of shifty and unsavory uh, people and organizations that sell everything from narcotics to firearms to stolen data from data breaches. And they could just sell it to the highest bidder. And also sometimes it could be sold to a specific customer. You know, they could have a specific customer in mind, you know, China, Russia, the actual government agencies there. Uh, It could be that they sold some sort of trade secret and they go and they see if any of your competitors are willing to pay for it. It really depends. Now, the common currency we will see for these specific transactions is Bitcoin uh, or any sort of other cryptocurrency, but Bitcoin definitely is the leading currency type. And with Bitcoin, for all the reasons why people like crypto, it's anonymous, it's fast, it's, it's permanent when you make a transaction. They like this, you know, you're not going to be, you know, cutting somebody a check or, or meeting up in a back alley with cash. You know, typically if they're buying uh, information or selling information, buyer and seller don't know each other. And they could even be on other sides of the world from each other. So typically it's going to be sold somewhere on the dark web and often it'll be sold more than once. You know, the first bidder buyer might get a exclusive amount of time to be able to monetize this data, but then the attacker might sell it three or four additional times to different people or they might, you know, sell it in different ways. Ultimately, they're going to try to get as much money as they possibly can. So now that we set the frame for data breaches, let's go ahead and take a look at some of the key security trends for 2022 that we should be familiar with. Uh, Now, these particular trends kind of fall in a couple of big categories here that we should be familiar with. Uh, And those big categories are things such as malware attacks, compromising of networks through intrusion attacks. It could be uh, 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 malicious files and more. Uh, There are several different ways that uh, people could be compromising you. And these are some of the major ways that those occur. 
So looking at this, uh, some attack types are growing. Some attack types are uh, not growing as much. Uh, we're actually seeing, for example, less malware attacks year over year comparatively. Uh, but we are seeing a dramatic increase of ransomware attacks. And really what that kind of tells us is that, uh, hey, you know, these people are um, – not just deleting files, but, you know, they're still infecting you with malware, but that malware is ransomware. And so uh, we can see here that that particular type of attack is going up. I'll point out some of these are millions and some of these are billions and even some of these are trillions. So even though malware attacks are going down, it's still 5.4 billion malware attacks compared to the 623 million ransomware attacks. Uh, we're seeing increasingly our Internet of Things devices being compromised. And really, there's just more and more devices on the Internet. So that just makes sense. I expect that to go up. 5.3 trillion intrusion attempts. And we'll talk more about intrusion later in our presentation, but that doesn't surprise me at all. Okay, and These facts are coming from SonicWall's Cybersecurity Threat Report, which goes into each one of these in depth. Now, also what I want to share with you from that same SonicWall uh, cyber threat report is a survey that they did across uh, IT administrators uh, and other technology professionals, really kind of asking them some questions about what their level of concern of specific attack types are for 2022 and beyond. And I think that the threats that they're identifying, at least to me, are very, uh, they resonate. I mean, and I feel that uh, what they're concerned with are very similar to the threats that I myself am concerned for our organization as well as uh, for my clients. And there should be no shocker here in terms of the major things that they're they're mentioning. Phishing attacks, as we'll talk about for so many different reasons, business email compromises continue to be a, the major attack vector and uh, can be incredibly damaging when uh, when perpetrated on a company. Ransomware attacks, breach of customer data, breach of employee data, uh, business email compromise. I mean, these right here, these five definitely are, are the ones that I would say, if you were to ask me for my company, my clients, my staff, these are definitely going to be the ones that I um, think about you know the most now there's plenty of other attacks you should be considered and and you should think about you know whether it be an insider attack you know you can hire good people but you know sometimes they go off the off the rails uh, it could be eavesdropping it could be sensitive file data being sent un through unencrypted methods those are all risks but as I mentioned as we were in this class if you resolve your data breach risk these other I'm not going to call them lower priority or low hanging fruit attacks, um, but rather these other types of attacks that are, that are let's say, uh, of a lower level of concern. They're going to be resolved along the way. So the top five, again, phishing attacks, number one, ransomware attacks, number two, breach of customer data, breach of employee data, and business email compromise. These are going to be the things that I think about the most. And as we're talking through many of these risks uh, through the next couple of uh, hours here, I would encourage you, you know, think about for yourself, what keeps you up at night? What are you really worried about? Uh, what do you think your organization's most significant risks are? And what does that mean for a data breach to your company? Um it's different for every business. People measure risk through different through different methods, and uh, I can tell you these are these five right here. These are the things I think about often. Now, from a different report, I want to share with you this is a really interesting number and metric, which is the e crime breakout time, and this comes from the CrowdStrike Security Report. And what the e crime breakout time? It's a number that represents the time it takes 
for an adversary to move laterally, laterally from an initially compromised host to another host within that victim environment. And what this means is it's really like a, a number of like a, a, a quantifying spread of a malware attack. And what this says is, is that uh, once you get that initial compromise, you can expect that compromise to spread throughout your network within an hour and a half or so, you know, under two hours. Meaning if you get breached, you have a little more than an hour and a half to recognize that that breach occurred and then ultimately do something about it to be able to respond accordingly, either removing that device from the network, removing the threat to begin with or something. You know, think about it for your own organization. You know, can you make any type of decision, let alone a massive security decision that quickly? Most organizations can't. Um, and so you need to realize, again, you need to be right 365 days a year. They only need to be right once. And once a data breach occurs, it's very, very, very difficult to be able to head it off at the pass, if you will. Uh, and in fact, the data supports that once a data breach occurs, it will often go on for a much longer period of time than what you can expect. So I want to share with you, this is from another report. This is coming from the Verizon's Data Breach Investigations Report. And this is actually from one uh, a couple years old. So this is from a report from a couple of years ago. But I have not seen them use the same graphic since. And I love the story that this graphic and this chart tells. And really, there are three things you need to know here. Before the attack, the attack occurs, and then after the attack. And the intention of this is to show you and give you a sense of timeline for what a data breach will look like and how quickly it actually can occur, okay? So uh, what you should know, almost 90% of compromises are successfully completed in one minute or less, and almost 70% of compromises took longer than two months to be discovered, okay? A lot of people have this idea that, hey, if I get a data breach, you know, we're gonna know about it, we're gonna see it coming. You know, it's like seeing a fire burning off in the distance and having enough time to get away, and that's just not the case. Again, you're a number to these people, okay? So what they're gonna try to do is they're gonna try to breach you, and if their bag of tricks doesn't work, they just move on to the next person, okay? So looking at this, at the time it takes, uh, very, very few breaches take even hours, you know, to be able to calculate and be able to do, let alone days, weeks, and months. Uh, almost 90% are occurring just in minutes. You're a number on a list to them. They try their bag of tricks. If they get in, great. Now, once that breach occurs, and this is distinguished here by this kind of little red line that's listed here, once that breach occurs, well, only 3% are immediately resolved and recovered, meaning there's some sort of intrusion prevention or anti-malware solution or something there that sees that that attack occurred and then does something about it, okay? Uh, very rarely does that actually happen. And this has a lot to do with how networks are designed, how security principles are implemented in businesses. We tend to be very, very rigid and secure on the perimeter of our network, but soft and malleable and easy targets on the interior. So we, we you know, kind of build this fortress of networks inside of our businesses. But the second you get over the wall here, you know, it's the Trojan horse getting in behind the gates. You could put yourself into huge risk if and when you are compromised because there's really no interior security to prevent. And so that's where that uh, e-breakout time occurs, you know, where it lands and expands and just moves into other aspects of that network. 
it starts conquering other things. And so only 3% are covered quickly. Almost 70% of these crimes take months or more. And if uh, what's not discussed in this particular slide is the quantity of those data breaches that are actually reported by third parties, law enforcement, a customer that experiences identity theft and they're able to trace it back to a specific company. Uh, most businesses will have no idea if they have a data breach. And by the time they figure out, it's way too late. Let's go ahead and have a review question. What does an e-breakout time measure? Okay. Does it measure the time it takes for a threat actor to compromise a network? No. It does not measure that. It's not the initial breach. The time it takes to resolve from a data breach. I wish. Man, if you could resolve it in an hour and a half, that would be great, but that's not it. The time it takes for law enforcement to respond to the computer crime. No way. The correct answer here is the time it takes for an adversary to move laterally within a network. Now, so many of these data breaches involve issues with software and issues with systems. Uh, one of the things I want to make you aware of is this um, concept called CVE, or Common Vulnerabilities and Exposures. And what this is, is this is a global listing available to all types of organizations, businesses, government agencies, and more that tracks vulnerabilities in software and providers. And what I want you to get in the habit of is being able to know what vulnerabilities exist and whether or not you're specifically uh, at risk for them. As we will talk about a little bit later on, I'm going to show you an application called Shodan. And for that Shodan, it is a tool that you can scan networks and it'll actually show you when specific networks have known vulnerabilities that have not been patched. Um, and then, you know, you'll understand, essentially, hopefully you'll understand, you know, how the bad guys target and find specific people. But this CVE list, uh, which is maintained by several different organizations, uh, is the way that we actually track the, um, the vulnerabilities that exist inside of applications. Now, what you need to know is that all applications... All applications, whether it be Microsoft Windows, whether it be uh, stuff that my business creates or Intuit or Adobe or anybody, anybody else, everybody has weaknesses in their application. We typically refer to these as bugs. Okay. Now, when somebody finds out these vulnerabilities, a threat actor figures out, hey, I can do this and it will break the software in this particular way. Well, that's what we call an exploit. And that particular exploit can be really damaging to an organization because then it allows them to get in and be able to steal data of some sort, okay? All software, all hardware, all networks, all organizations, everybody has a vulnerability. It's just a matter of whether or not they're known, whether or not they're, they're resolved uh, before the bad guy figures it out. And so once they figure out that vulnerability, well, that turns into an exploit. And that exploit is malicious code that will ultimately take advantage of some sort of vulnerability and will do something that the original developers of that application didn't intend it to do. So it can infect, it can disrupt, it can take advantage of that user's computer system without consent and certainly without their knowledge. So how do we track when these vulnerabilities get discovered? How do we know how severe they are? Well, that's that CVE list, right? Okay, so CVE is a, a, a partnership that's put forth by, again, lots of different businesses, uh, you know, whether they be big companies like Microsoft or Adobe, small businesses, independent security researchers, and more. And the mission of CVE is to identify, to define, to catalog, and then also to measure the risk of disclosed 
vulnerabilities. And so there's one CVE record for every vulnerability discovered, and it's a matter of public record. And when those are discovered, they're assigned and they're published, and then the developer of that application will hopefully resolve it lickety split as fast as they possibly can. And what's awesome with this is that you can actually look up common applications to see if there's any known security issues for this. Uh, and I'll show you this list here in a minute. And the intention of this is, is that you can check your application and you know that you're using, whether it be your operating system, a specific accounting app, and more, to see if there's known security issues. And if so, what version are you running? Okay, you'll know if there's any specific risks to that version, and you'll have a pretty good reason on why you should upgrade. Because typically we upgrade for one of two reasons. We either upgrade to bring new features and functions to an application we're already using, or more commonly, to fix bugs, to fix issues, and to close security issues. And the CVE list uh, is really kind of geared around giving the public the knowledge necessary on what to upgrade and when to make that occur. Now, 2021 was another record-breaking year for all vulnerabilities worldwide. Uh, according to NIS, which is the National Institute for Standards and Technologies, over 20,000 CVEs, critical vulnerability exposures, uh, were published in 2021, which was more than the year before. In fact, this is the fifth year in a row that that number of vulnerabilities has broken the prior year records. And 2022 is proven to be gangbusters, okay? And I have every expectation that this year there'll be more vulnerabilities discovered, partially because people are looking for them now uh, than in 2021, okay? Takeaway from this is that all applications have vulnerabilities. And if you don't update your application, you're going to remain exposed with respect to these vulnerabilities. And until that vulnerability is fixed, you leaves you potentially open for an exploit and potentially a data breach. And it's all types of businesses. It's not just, you know, small businesses, big businesses, big publishers, small publishers, all of them. In fact, here are your most exploited vulnerabilities that have occurred just in the last couple of years. And you'll see some names pretty common here. Citrix, Microsoft, Telbrick, Drupal. Uh, all of these make different types of applications with different use cases, but they all had some sort of major vulnerability. And because you are running that specific application, that specific version, you could experience a data breach. So as an example here, let's just say your company is still running SharePoint 2013, okay? You're running it on-premise. You're not running it in the 365 cloud. You're running it in your local infrastructure, and you are running an older version of this. Well, CVE 0604 from 2019, guess what? Somebody knows the steps to be able to compromise that SharePoint site to be able to steal whatever data is inside of it. And if you have confidential information, well, guess what? You've now made yourself exposed. What is a vulnerability? Okay, is it an inherent weakness in an application? Absolutely. Is it a bug? Could be. Is it a potential attack vector for an adversary? Correct answer here is going to be all the above. Vulnerability can be just about anything, depending on the specific needs of uh, of uh, the organization and the specific uh, risk that that uh, vulnerability hap happens to have. It could just be a simple functionality issue, preventing the application from working as designed, all the way up to and including a potential vector for an adversary to steal data. Let's go ahead and go into our next section, uh, which is definitely a contemporary topic for today. Uh, and it's something that's growing in concern for a lot of organizations, which is going to be a zero day exploit or a zero day attack. Now, a zero day uh, is essentially a vulnerability at its core. Um, 
it's a flaw, it's a risk, it's an unknown vulnerability that ultimately gets turned into an exploit in the wild that uh, will ultimately cause a software or hardware uh, device to become exposed to a data breach. What makes it a zero day is the fact that it leaves no opportunity for detection. Uh, when we call it a zero day, we all find out about it at the same time, okay? A zero day attacks occurs that once that flaw or hardware or software vulnerability is known, an article gets posted about it, it gets spread across social media, thousands, potentially millions of different devices and companies around the world potentially are using this one application and we all have that risk at the same time, hence zero day. And so because we all have this potential risk and it could be a major application like uh, Windows Active Directory or, uh, a, you know, a potential accounting application or a file sharing application it could be a Dropbox or Google. And I'm not saying any of these have had them or will have them. But in the event, something like that, that large and, and significant, I mean, it could be a huge issue for different organizations. Uh, and because we all are still using that application, uh, Criminals around the world very like these things for two reasons. The first reason they like them, they ideally want to use them without anybody knowing them because it allows them to be able to compromise a um, an organization silently. You know, these data breaches aren't always big and flashy. You know, they prefer to land, expand, and be quiet and to steal data for long periods of time. And a zero-day exploit allows them to do that. It's it's unknown. And we'll talk about why they like them here in a minute. But uh uh, the other reason is, is once we all find out about it, I mean, potentially, I mean, it could be a free for all in people trying to compromise different systems. Okay. So again, we all find out about it at the same time. And, um, so let's just kind of give you an example here. Uh, a company's developers create some sort of application, you know, maybe it's an, an enterprise resource planning or an accounting plugin or tool. And we create it, you know, um, not we, but you know, the Royal we here. Okay. And unbeknownst to the developers, there's some sort of issue with it. Maybe you can order negative of something and that causes, you know, a buffer overflow in the memory and then exposes potential customer information. Or it could be, you know what, we forgot to salt and hash the passwords or something like that that exposes the passwords uh, while they're in transit, something like that. But there's some sort of availability, but we just don't know what it is. Well, Security researchers, threat actors, well, they spot this vulnerability before or after the developer uh, knows. And basically, they use this to compromise that computer, that network, that device. And it's before the developer has a chance to be able to fix it. So it's either completely unknown or they know about it, but the developer hasn't fixed it yet. Okay, I'm going to point out some of these issues, some of these bugs are so big, it's not like you can just slap a Band-Aid on it and call it done and it's fixed. It just doesn't work that way. Okay, so the attacker then writes uh, code uh, that exploits that vulnerability while it's still open and available to compromise that particular system. And after releasing the exploit, the public recognizes it as uh, potential information theft, espionage, malware, something else like that. And then once they figure that out, the developer will then, you know, hey, they know it's an issue and then go back and fix it. Um, and they're going to release what we call a patch. And a patch just updates applications. And But the problem is you got to apply that patch. If you never apply the update, well, you're still going to be exposed. You know, and there's people that are still getting compromised today with vulnerabilities and zero-day attacks that are from long ago. But they never bothered to update their, their information. Let me give you a really clear example of this. This actually happened uh, last uh, last year in the first part of um, 
of this year uh, with respect to a major, major zero-day attack that affected lots and lots and lots and lots of different businesses that are out there. And this particular attack actually uh, wasn't one that you would probably know right off the top of your head, but uh, rather it was one that was uh, perpetrated with many of the applications that you that you use. Okay, uh, So there's this utility, it's called Log4j. And uh, it's the last major vulnerability uh, that was reported in 2021, but quickly became probably the most significant of the year. Now, if you've never heard of Log4j, totally understandable. What you need to know about this is that it is a utility, okay? And it's a utility that computers and systems use to handle logging messages um, as they're working, you know, uh, a log inside of a computer is just a list of actions. I did this at this time and this was the outcome. Okay. And many applications, pretty much every application has some sort of log and the log can be used for lots of different reasons, including security events. Okay. Now what happened was, is an attacker could hijack the messages that were in the log and then use them to inject malicious code. And then the software wouldn't be able to tell the difference between a legitimate log message and what was not. And again, it can affect how that software actually runs. Okay. You don't use Log4j yourself, but it's built into millions and millions of applications uh, around the world. And from December of 20 to um, December 11th, of 20, sorry, that should be December 11th of 2021 to uh, January 31st of 2022. So even the first part of this year here, uh, SonicWall, which is where I'm getting this information, uh, recorded approximately 150 different million exploited attacks against Log4j. So about 2.7 million vulnerabilities. We all found out that you could compromise this logging system, which could then allow you to compromise the systems in general. And then Everybody just kind of went gangbusters on it. Now, it targeted all different types of businesses, including technical, uh, manufacturing organizations, government organizations, and more. And you can read more about it in this particular report. Now, because uh, the vulnerability, due to the nature of that vulnerability, was due to improper handling of log messages, what could happen was is that any remote, unauthenticated person or attacker could control the messages that the computer was receiving. So just imagine you, in, you know, intercept somebody's mail and you start putting in fake like letters from the IRS as an example or fake demand notices in a lawsuit or you know anything like that. I mean, if you didn't go and otherwise have a method of being able to confirm the authenticity of these messages, you wouldn't know that they're fake. Okay, And this ability to be able to compromise this log allowed for these attackers to be able to send in specific crafted um, messages and specific commands to the server to be able to compromise the application and then be able to compromise the greater um, technology. Okay. Now, from there, once the attackers were able to compromise that one app, they could break into other systems. If it was like an ERP or a banking server app or something like that, they could use it to uh, steal potential passwords and logins. They could use it to extract data, infect networks with malicious code and more. And the Log4j was eventually exploited to inject ransomware. Uh, the Conti ransomware group used the Log4 shell vulnerability, which is a type of Log4j vulnerability, uh, to compromise data centers that were running VMware and more. And then once they were in those data centers, able to move laterally across a corporate network. Now, what was interesting in this is that, you know, we even got the U.S. government involved here. The U.S. Federal Trade Organization actually issued guidance related to this specific uh, attack. 
And what it said was, and they actually compared it to the Equifax data breach. And in the Equifax data breach, what you need to know about that as it relates to Log4j is that the group responsible for the server that was compromised that ultimately caused the greater Equifax data breach, it's because they didn't update software. They didn't change uh, and apply the patches to fix that application for a very long period of time, like several weeks, if not longer, that ultimately allowed that application to get compromised, which then ultimately allowed the uh, data breach for Equifax. And what they said here was like, hey, we know this Log4j is a big deal here. And we're basically saying that any failure from an organization not to create steps to mitigate this issue uh, will basically cause you an issue. And you could be out of compliance with the FTC, uh, including specific uh, acts, including like the Graham-Leach-Bailey Act, uh, which kind of stipulates how certain data needs to be handled um, for organizations. And so, you know, using Equifax as our guidance here, you know, it was a over a half a billion dollar settlement that resulted from Equifax's honestly negligence for not keeping their technical systems up to date. And again, not um, securing their stuff, especially when they know there's a vulnerability. Okay. So they quoted, I'm quoting them here. Okay. The commission warned that it intends to use the full legal authority to pursue companies that fail to take responsibilities to protect consumer data as a result of this log4j. So if you're using the log4j thing here, I mean, you need to ensure that you you're, you have updated or if it's not you, the developer that you're working with has updated accordingly because you're going to be held responsible even if you're not the one who made the application. Takeaway here is pretty easy, man. Keep your devices up to date. Updates, while they can be cumbersome and they can be coming at inconvenient times, updates do one of two things. They either bring new features and functions for you to use, but more often than not, they resolve known vulnerabilities and issues. If you did one thing and one thing alone, and I'm telling you, you should do more than one thing. But if you only did one thing, keeping your device up to date is probably the overall best thing you could possibly do. Um, malware, ransomware, these exploits almost exclusively target devices that are out of date and running old software. And keeping your devices up to date is going to keep most of that stuff out. It's not going to prevent zero-day attacks. But the second a patch or resolution comes from the company that makes that application or hardware that had that zero day, you're going to have to update in order to be able to close that door and resolve that issue. And you should apply security updates as soon as they become available Okay, to all of your devices. Remember, if it plugs in and connects to the internet, it needs to be updated. Computers, servers, printers, switches, and more. Thank you so much for attending our presentation and podcast for today. As a reminder, you can check out cpetoday.com for all your continuing education needs. We have courses on every topic you can think of from accounting to audit to ethics and regulation and more. Everything you need to know to stay relevant, current, and up to date with the profession. Again, check out cpetoday.com. If you're a new watcher or listener to the CPE Today podcast, again, we offer you a free course and a free credit for you to try our services. Pick the podcast of your choosing and use coupon code ONEFREEPODCAST at checkout to make that purchase free. If you enjoyed our presentation, please consider connecting with us on social media and let us know what you think. You can find us just about everywhere at CPE Today, uh, whether you're on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and more. And please consider subscribing to us wherever you happen to receive your content. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and others. 
We'd love for you to leave a review and let us know what you think. It helps new listeners and watchers find our course and content. Thank you so much for your time and attention. Thank you for being in the office, and we look forward to seeing you back here soon. Take care.